0: All right, let's take our Bibles to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Whenever you're in a series as a pastor and you're coming into a season of, you know, celebration, you you got to make choices of whether you're going to stay in 2 Corinthians or you're going to depart and come into this and and there's a gospel message Friday night, there's a about Christmas, there's a gospel message Sunday night. This is the Sunday before Christmas and and uh, then what about the 26th? So pretty much this is Christmas focus part two <laughs> because we had the message Friday night. But I, I just, as, um, as I was thinking about our church and what we would do well to focus on, I'm just going to sit on the gift of God through the gospel, and uh, in particular with the Christmas focus, and so that's going to put us in Romans chapter Five, and I'm going to tell you that whatever your standards are for a good message are today. This is just going to be a lot of scripture that I think underscores the great blessing of the gospel, the great blessing that God has given to us in making a way of salva- salvation for us. And the reason I'm saying all that is because whenever I am doing these messages, I don't, I don't want to just preach the same message, and and the Bible is full of passages to go to to magnify what God has done for us. Now, I have you in Romans chapter 5. We're going to take just a brief look over in John 3, a passage you're all well familiar with, but as a segue into our uh, Romans chapter 5, we discussed in my Sunday school class briefly, uh, I I try to pick fights with everybody and ask them what they thought about Christmas and the way we celebrate it and whether it's pagan or not and whether we should be doing things or not. And it's, I think, a worthy conversation and, and I couldn't make everybody fight the way I wanted them to, but uh, the, the deal is there are things that we do at Christmas time that um, can certainly be today observed in a secular way. Uh, and it's, isn't it true that we can totally lose Christ in Christmas in the world around us? Anybody else trying to avoid the masses? Really? I mean, going out in your car from here to Christmas, except for coming to church, could be dicey. <laughs> uh, it's just busy out there. Everybody's running here and there, and I, 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 I couldn't help but be, I couldn't help but be caught in it. You know, first of all, out in our area, there's traffic when you uh, are going uh, on the interstate past 33. Exit 33, and it starts going towards Caldwell, the last Nampa exit. There's construction there, okay? And it's pretty heavy, back and forth. But I just couldn't help but be caught by all the traffic. And what, what's all the traffic out there? What you, what's your guess? Why does there, there seem to be a lot of traffic right now? I think, it, I think it's shopping. I think so. I think that's what it is. But it, it, it struck me, okay, because is everybody friendly? Now, we're talking interstate, okay? Is everybody friendly? No. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't know what was going on behind me, but there were, there were two looked-like teenagers in a little truck, and there was a guy who was doing the speed limit in the fast lane. Okay? And he was more my age, Okay? Anyway, I noticed him slow down when he got side by side to the truck that was behind me, and his window came down and <laughs> and, <laughs> and the two teenagers going <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> and all in this time where we're supposed to be thinking about I, I just I couldn't help but be thinking, people are on their way to pick up Christmas presents or on the way to do things to show their love for their family, and yet there's that, right? There's all that. So it's totally possible to go through this time. And I was saying this about our family. You know, how do you how do you really emphasize for a four to five year old what Christmas is about? You know, and and try to help them to understand it's not just about a toy. And uh, little Joe's old enough to know what Christmas was last time. By the way, at his age. He feeds off the excitement of others too. And so we really try to keep a- anchoring him back to the gospel. And yet for our Joe, uh, it's not all clear for him yet. He's, he's got a lot of good questions. He's trying to get concepts of forgiveness. And I often say to church, pray for Joe, because I, I feel like the doors of his understanding are being opened. But, you know, we're really purposely trying to help him understand what this is all about. And what a great opportunity. What a great opportunity to use this time to teach That this is about Jesus. And there is so much more to the hope that we have than lights on a tree and the busyness of shopping and eggnog, if you do that kind of thing. Uh, All that kind of stuff. There's so much more to this than all the celebrations that the world recognizes. And yet we do celebrate. Why do we celebrate? So, I'll just say a tradition that we hold in my family, at least from my heart. Uh, Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Well, the reason I give gifts, and why is it oriented in Christ? Well, I oriented in, in Christ because the greatest gift that has ever been given is a Savior through Christ the Lord. And we know that God did that for us because he loves us. And truly, a gift is something that you don't earn, you don't even necessarily deserve, Um, it's just given out of love. Matter of fact, the kids asked me, uh, one of the kids asked me recently, (laughs) kind of a a little bit in dismay, Uh, they they were like, Dad, do you like Christmas? And they were thinking about presents. And and I I said, well, yeah, I like like it. And they said, well, but even if there are no presents, and because Nora and I typically don't, (laughs) do presents for each other. Well, once I gave her a vacuum cleaner, but never mind. Um, <laughs> or was that anniversary? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Okay. But I told, I, told, I told whichever one it was, I said, the reason it's I enjoy it when it comes to gifts is because I love my family. And I, I love to see them be happy. I love to see. And, and some of you parents totally get it. You know, it's not unlike pets. Sometimes you'll give your kid a present and they enjoy the box better. You know, sometimes it's that way. But it's the, it's the joy of seeing that little face light up. The joy of seeing them be excited. And when you love someone, it's what you like to see. So I have as a reference here the verse that we all know, John 3, 16. So how did God love us? Let's say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You come to that and you can't help but go to the wow factor of God. So what does salvation mean? Well, salvation means that we're rescued from a damned eternity. Think of that. By the way, for those that take light, eternity, and think, well, you know, they want to be bitter at God, and they're like, well, I don't want to be in heaven anyway. And, you know, all that tells you is the total lack of understanding what the Bible says about the lake of fire. And I don't, I don't I, even, even here today, we can't fully grasp the concept. But to know that there's a place of torment, a place of just punishment that we, by coming to Christ, have been rescued from, it is that continual cause of rejoicing. What a great Savior. What a great Savior to save us from impending doom. And not just to save us from, but to save us to better than we could ever know. Heaven. And we often reference all the things that heaven is, and I, I'm going to say again that heaven is better than we can imagine. It's better than we can dream up. And I I think the wonder of salvation from and salvation to and what it means to have that savior yourself personally. Do you think there are people in this world that are deceived? Do you think there are many people who think that they're gonna work their way to heaven and they're working hard to do it and get it done and and live every day of their life with maybe if I just do a little bit more and never, never having any anchor. But for you here this morning, if you know Christ, the great blessing that is upon you cannot be matched with the amount of words we can use to show that gratitude. It's truly too wonderful for us to know. But it's a gift, a gift that God gives because he loves us, and that takes us to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I've chosen to go to this passage partly because... It, it does magnify our weakness and what God did to meet our need in providing the gospel message for us through Christ. So in Romans chapter five and verse six, I have highlighted this very first phrase in that in that passage. And it says, for when we were yet without strength. And the idea of this passage, the sentiment of this passage is that there is need for rescue that we could not do ourselves. There was need for Uh, being saved that we could not accomplish. There was a need for having our sins washed away that we could not pay for and we could not atone. We could not give the sum that was needed. There was no way for us to do it. But yet when we were without strength, and it's often said in commentaries when you read this next phrase, in due time, the idea of that word in due time is in the fullness of time or at the time appointed, in God's appointed time, in the proper time, Christ died for who? He died for the ungodly. So I was watching a debate recently. It's been part of what I, I've been watching a lot of apologetic stuff, and I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's healthy, and I was listening to this young man talk to uh, a believer, and he was accusing God... Um, to this defender of the faith, and they were basically saying, um, why does God, and he went on and listed a whole lot of atrocities, why didn't God stop all those atrocities? Could could God have actually stopped those things? And what's the Bible answer to that? Could God stop those things? Yes. Yes, and then why doesn't he? And what was interesting to me is there was being great emphasis put on, God could have stopped that, why didn't he? God could have stopped that atrocity. Why didn't he step in and stop that evil from being done? And in that moment, as I was listening, uh, it became at least something to consider in debating that kind of thing to note this. There was another atrocity happening at that very moment. There was the atrocity of finite man accusing holy God finite man saying if i was god i would have done better if i was god i would have done it this way i would have been a better god than the god who is the god of the bible and is it true that god could have stopped that atrocity at that moment as well yes he could have but he didn't now these things i don't pretend to have all the answers for but i do know that god has given us a choice to choose to do right or do wrong to come to Jesus or to not come to him. And yes, there's a mystery of God's sovereignty and election and all that stuff. But I will say this, from our perspective, God has given an invitation in grace. And that invitation is because we do not have strength to do it ourselves. In our weakness, God steps in to your life. And by the way, Uh, I'm just going to anchor again, how appreciative are you of knowing Christ as your Savior? Let me say it differently, how much longing do you have for heaven? Anybody want to be delivered from this mess? You want to see... Righteousness reign, justice reign, you wanna see, see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Do you wanna see sin to be forever eradicated, no more dealt with? Um, for drivers to be nice, will there be cars in heaven? I don't know. Um, in all these things, in all these things, there is a hope in us of what God has in front of us and a gratitude. Now, again, I, I, don't, I don't know that what can help you to appreciate and understand this, but a gratitude that life is so much more than what we're seeing right here in front of us. And truly to find life is to find Christ and all the grace and goodness that God has planned to shower on his children in eternity future. You see, the Bible reflects this elsewhere and says, if in this life only we have hope, we are what? It's a miserable condition to be in. And you'll appreciate that the older you get. Is that true? Yes. There are seniors in this room that every day they wake up and they fight. They fight just to they fight to be here, they fight to get up and move, they fight to carry on another day. They're not all seniors either. But there's a savior A Savior who in grace and love offers you all the hope that he gives for his children when we leave this world behind or he comes for us. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God, you know the verse 8 out loud with me, but God commendeth his love toward us, And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You have this phrase in verse 9, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? Through him. So justified is the message that is partly latent in the drama that's being presented through the cantata. How someone is guilty, and how someone steps in to pay the price, and how truly, justly we are condemned because of our actions. But this verse says, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. It is, again, very clear in Scripture that salvation is always and only found through the the sufficiency of Christ and what Christ has done to provide redemption. Now verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The atoning, the forgiving of sins, the washing away of sins. Now. As you consider this passage, all this is done for us in what we could not do for ourselves. And it all points to a Savior who came to put on human flesh. And, and I, I, again, I know some of you say, why do you even watch these things? I, I've watched um, some others debate Jesus and listen to the accusations of, how do you even know there was a Jesus and, and wasn't he born out of myth and legend? I've heard some sadly. I've heard someone who I respect uh, in a lot of their uh, positions. I've heard them say that Jesus uh, was someone who was, and this person is Jewish, they said that Jesus was most likely just a dissenter of the government and justly got what he deserved. And I think... How can you step over all the evidences of Christ? How can you step over? I mean, this wasn't just... Were, by the way, were there people in rebellion that were killed by the Roman government? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let me ask you, did any of them walk on water? Oh, but that was, that's just myth and story. Seen by witnesses and reported time and time again by the other authors? This, did any of those other dissenters cause the blind to see? Cause the lame to walk? And by the way, as far as dissenting goes, if the Lord had wanted to set up his kingdom at that time, could he? And what did he say? My kingdom is not of this world. Christ came for a purpose. He came to die. He came to offer forgiveness and payment for sin so that we might have life. I would even go, this is a bold thing to say, and maybe seems a little bit stark, but how dare we? How dare we rob God of glory by walking on this planet, doing simply what we want to do, living for our own pleasure and live outside of the reality that this life only has a certain number of breaths and it's going to be gone shortly. What a horrific thing to stand before almighty God as someone who denied him and defied him. And yet that God in grace offers us salvation, offers us salvation, Redemption, atonement, hope, theologically rich and deep words. He offers that to every one of us. Now, the latent nature of our sin is found in verse 12. Wherefore is by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, Verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come. And in verse 15 where it says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. The phrase there, the, so also is the free gift. The free gift is not like the offense. How is it different? For if through the offense of one many be dead, and here's the difference, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace. So in other words, as the offense sin uh, passed upon all the planet and the weight of the guiltiness of sin passed upon everyone, this is compared or contrasted to the second part of that verse or first phrase in verse 15, so also is the free gift. It's different in this way. God's grace is much more abounding. And it is by one man, Jesus Christ, and hath abounded unto many. Verse 16, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. (laughs) For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto what? Justification. To be justified, to be redeemed, to be made right with God. Let me read that phrase again. But the free gift is, is of many offenses unto justification. How much payment would it take for you to pay for your sin? So it kind of comes back to this question. Would you admit that you're a sinner? (coughs) Would you? Would you admit you're a sinner? How much of a sinner are you? How much of a sinner are you? Should we ask your family? (laughs) If God was to lay an accusation against you for sin, would he be right? It says, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. We have many offenses that could be laid to our charge. And, I want to say it this way, are laid to our charge. Those offenses are duly written down. Read Revelation 20. They're written in a book. All of our works are written down. There is no secret that God does not know. There's no hidden work that we've done against him that God has not taken note of. And the dead, it says in that passage there, are judged out of their works. So if God was to be writing down the pens of our sins, would there be many? Hello? I can speak for me. Because I'm married and have kids amongst witnesses, I can speak for me. There are sins you could lay to my charge. And here's how God holds it. He holds the gospel in this simple truth. Either Christ pays for our sins or we do. Either Christ pays for them, and we accept that as a gift, or we pay for them, and the payment that we pay, how great is our sin? It's for eternity. You can't help but come to the gospel and say or ask yourself, why would anyone not receive the free gift of God's grace? And I'm going to tell you this, it'll come down to the blackest of a heart that is in rebellion against God. And I can't help but say, what a foolish place to be. Verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, and you have this phrase throughout this passage, much more, much more, than, or more abundantly, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, by who? By Jesus Christ. So in God's word, are there many ways to heaven? Is it pretty clear that God says there's one way? And it's found in one person's name. Who is it? Isn't that an awesome thing to know and to receive and hold yourself? That you are justified by faith in the very true God, the one who put on human flesh, Jesus Christ our Savior. Doesn't it warm your heart to amend that fact in your life? That you're redeemed by faith in Christ. Verse 18, therefore as by the offense of one Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. It is now offered to all. In verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, again, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. And here's the, the second part of my highlighted phrase here, but where sin abounded, grace did what? Can we say amen to that? What does that mean? Where sin abounded, grace did much what? Much more abound. It's like covering over, right? If this is where your sin is, it much more abounds and covers it over and covers it over and covers it over. Now, I know there are two sides of this coin and the Bible would speak to those that would say, yeah, see, well, I know Christ but I can live my life how I want to live it. Well, read Romans 6, okay? But for the believer, we rest in the comfort and in the assurance as a word I gave you last week that Pastor Chris shared with me. What was that word? Uh, Omnigracious. That God is omnigracious. There is no one... Nor has there ever been anyone who is more gracious than God. There is no one who's ever been more kind in in covering our faults than the Lord. But he did it he did it as a free gift to us, but not without a cost. He dies to offer us this kind of salvation. Now Galatians three, if you would. Galatians three for a moment. Galatians 3, we're just going to take a moment to talk about the law and understand that God wants us to understand that the law was given so that we would know that we are sinners in need of God's grace. So Galatians 3, verse 21, and it, we haven't done this this morning, so let's read out loud together. We're going to read verses 21 through 26. We'll just read together. Galatians 3, 21 through 26, would you read with me? Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded, all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So do you know your sinfulness? And how great is the grace of God? All right, so take a moment here. Our family, I don't even know the video. Are there, are there people of high mind that don't believe in God? We are watching a series uh, on, I would say creation, but it's not really creation, it's about the planets. And it's a uh, scientist, if I understand, I hope I'm getting it right. If I understand, he came to Christ as a matter of studying about the planets. And what he does is he goes through and he gives the scientific model of how evolutionists will say that the universe or this planet must be this way based on theory, and yet it's not that way. In other words, if the scientific model was right, then what we see could not be. The point is this, it doesn't matter how smart man thinks he is, and by the way, we all, I think it's worthy of saying, we should be lovers of science. Why? Because we should be lovers of truth. The problem is, so much of what is called science today is a denier of truth. Even and by and, and I'm I'm not telling you I'm, I'm some kind of astrology major, but I'm I'm dumb enough to watch somebody who does know. And to listen to what they have studied, and compare it against the scientific model of evolution. And there is no reason to believe in the evolutionary model. There's no reason except for a a, a desire. To deny God and to choose to have some kind of justification for why you can deny him. But listen, all that denial does not make God go away. It doesn't make your accountability go away. This life is a vapor. I often think this. Is life hard? It can be. But how much more difficult is it to go through it without the Lord? And without a confidence that he really is who he said he is. If it wasn't for the fact that there's a God, I would would despair. And not just that there's a God, but a God who loves me and died for me and offers me salvation. If it wasn't for that truth, I would despair. And I will tell you, and I appreciate the sentiment of your caring for me and your love for me and the journey I've had, but I will tell you this, I am a happy Christian. I would rather be where I am today with the grace of God in my life than walking through life with no trouble blind to my need for him. I will just say as a testimony, the greatest thing that I have ever done in my life is give my life to Christ. He's changed my future, but he's changed my today as well. And I'm so thankful for a savior who came, for the goodness of God Now, a moment here. I want to address a problem. Are there things in life that you look to to bring happiness? Are there? Come on, be with me. Are there things that you look for in life to bring happiness? There is something going on in the valley right now. I'm going to warn you about it. Puppyitis <laughs> is sweeping over this whole valley. Have you lost your minds? I'm not, I'm not kidding. It seems like every day I'm, I'm getting another picture of somebody else who got a puppy. It's like, we're holding fast. Sorry, kids, we're holding fast. <laughs> Some of you have the audacity to come to me and say, You want a puppy? Stop it. Stop it Stop. and even now, this is a whole nother category. Want a cat. What? This really has nothing to do with the message, but I, I am saying that there, there are many reasons to be joyful. There are many. But the greatest reason I have to be joyful this morning is because I know Christ is my Savior. Can you say that with me? Amen? Listen, I don't care where you're at. As, even as a believer today in your struggles, I know those struggles are hard, but what would it be like without Christ? Who's, who's the one that's going to set everything right? It's only Jesus, right? And by the way, will everything get set right in this lifetime? Maybe not. Are you going to despair? No. Why? Because we have hope. Because there is a great God who loves you, knows you, and has navigated life with you. You have seen him work in your life, you are seeing him work in your life. He is a God who says he will never leave you or what? And you know that, right? I mean, I think it's a blessing for God's people to, to come together and be able to finish those phrases because you know it because that's the kind of God he is. And it's never because we deserve it. It's never because we're worthy. It's never because we performed well. It's because he is faithful. And he will keep working in your life. If you don't know him, it's his grace through his spirit to draw you even today. And so even as someone maybe in this room with clenched fist or hardened heart that says, yeah, whatever. That omnigracious God is giving you life and breath so that you will come to Him. As a believer, that grace that saved you is the grace that keeps you. It's going to walk with you today, it's going to be there for you tomorrow, until someday our eyes open to see the Savior face to face. How is this all possible? By the gift of what we call Christmas. By the gift of God giving Himself so that we could be saved. If you'll go back to Romans chapter 5, we're going to close out with this one verse here. Romans 5. We'll read verse 20 and 21 out loud. We've already read verse 20. Would you you read it with me? We're in Romans chapter 5, reading out loud verses 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said. Amen. So I, I just think it's a wonderful thing that we can take a moment today to recognize the great grace of God that has been given to you. And it comes through a very specific means. It came through the virgin birth of our Savior. It came before this world was ever created with God having a plan, to redeem a world that would need a savior. He's initiated that plan. He's fulfilled all that he said he would do in providing a savior. That savior has come and now we, we sit here today with all the proofs and all the evidences of a Christ who came and did what is written of him. Through many different authors, through witness of, of many different people, that Jesus did what is reported of him as doing. That Jesus is who he said he was. And the gospel message in Romans 10, 9, and 10 is confessing or agreeing that God is who he said he was. And he did what he said he would do. And that salvation was found in him. And that if anybody would come to him, he would give them this washing away of sin. Something that can never be taken away. This Christmas, as you think about the gifts that have been given, or the gifts that you even anticipate to give. By the way, anybody got presents to wrap yet? (sighs) And each one of those, though, to me is a reflection over the gift that God has given. And when you start thinking of those, how, 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 how they all pale, and how they all seem so utterly, they seem like, just trinkets, because nothing can compare to the salvation that God has given you. So this morning, I don't know where you are, either online or here, in your walk with the Lord. If you don't know him, I just come back to that question. Why would you turn your back on a God who wants to be gracious to you? Come, come to Christ. But believer, we have reason to have heart warmth this time of year in particular because we have a continual reflection of the greatest gift that has ever been given, Jesus Christ, a savior to all who will come to him.